I'm Brooke McLaughlin, an author, speaker, teacher, and small town girl from the mountains of Appalachia. Over the years, I've had the privilege of encouraging countless moms toward a richer prayer life, helping them catch a vision for the partnership God invites them into as they become praying moms. Prayer is action all by itself, and our prayers can impact the people we love most for generations to come. I created the Million Praying Moms podcast because prayer is one of the most overlooked parts of Christian parenting today. Let's change that together. My goal is to help you see prayer not as a last resort, but as your first and best response. If you have questions about prayer or motherhood, if you need help taking the first steps toward a praying life, or if you want to know how to pray for specific needs affecting our children in today's culture, you're in the right place, friend prayer warrior or mom who's just starting the journey. All are welcome here. Let's get started. When we're talking about the biblical application or understanding of what anger actually is, we're talking about what's happening in the heart. Early philosophers and scientists like Aristotle believed the heart was the place to find the human soul, and the Bible in some ways supports this. When I was in college pursuing a degree in psychology, I had, like most of the other students in any of the sciences, to take an anatomy class. But my anatomy class was different. Unlike the one that the upcoming doctors had to take, mine was called anatomy and psychology. It was thought to be a softer version of the larger anatomy class that often is kind of known to and revered to sort of rip the soul out of the pre-med students. But I still found it to be one of the hardest classes that I had personally ever taken. I made it out of that class with a solid B, despite hours and hours and hours of prepping and studying for tests. If you've read my book, Praying for Boys, this is the class I'm talking about that really just ruined me when I tried so hard to get an A and realized I couldn't get an A in this particular class. And even though I got a B, I really did love the class. It was super hard, but I really thoroughly enjoyed learning about how, for example, the sympathetic and autonomic nervous systems impact the way we behave. Our biology or the way that God designed our bodies to work on the inside directly relates to the behaviors we display on the outside. And I just find that fascinating. It's true with every human emotion, including anger. But the Bible has a lot to say about anger too. And as someone who considers herself a Christian first, with degrees in psychology and counseling second, I choose to look at science through the lens of scripture. In his book, Blame It on the Brain, which I'll link to in the show notes, Edward T. Welch says, as sophisticated and impressive as the brain sciences are, they sit under something even more spectacular. They are under the Bible, and their results should be evaluated through the interpretive grid of biblical categories. I agree with that. A couple of weeks ago, we put together a short but packed look at what anger is from a scientific standpoint. Today, I want to help you look at what the Bible says is happening in the human heart when we experience anger. And to do that, we're making a few assumptions. One, we are assuming that God created the brain. We're agreeing that we believe that as the creator of all things, God created the brain, the heart, and all of the anatomy that works together to create the human response. We're also agreeing that God has placed each of us in certain circumstances that shape the way that anatomy develops and reacts, and that he has the power to redeem all of it for his glory, no matter what. 
And thirdly, we are agreeing that he has given us some ability to understand what's happening in our hearts and to be able to see clearly what his word has to say about it. So first of all, I think we need an explanation of what is sometimes called righteous anger. I have heard many, many people many, many times say that anger is okay because even Jesus got angry. And there is some truth in that. He did get angry. The story of Jesus overturning the tables in the temple in Matthew 21, 12 through 13 proves that Jesus had emotions just like we do. The difference is that his emotions never caused him to sin and ours frequently do. These scriptures say Jesus went into the temple and threw out all those buying and selling. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of thieves. Clearly, Jesus was upset by the actions of the money changers. My Wearsby Bible commentary, one that I go to over and over again, tells us that the purpose of the court of the Gentiles in the temple, which is where this particular scene happened, was to give the outcasts of that day an opportunity to enter the temple and learn from Israel about the true God. Wasn't that an amazing thing that God provided for? But the presence of what Wearsby refers to as religious market turned many sensitive Gentiles away from the witness that God wanted Israel to be for him in the world that they were in. The court of the Gentiles was being used for mercenary business, not missionary business. I thought that was a great play on words. So what we're we're really saying is that Jesus was angered because the people were in sin They were supposed to be using that space in the temple to share a missionary message about God, but they were actually using it to share a mercenary business, profiting off of the people who needed God the most. Righteous anger, the kind that Jesus displayed that day, can be defined as anger that is grieved by sin, death, and any form of evil. That's what Jesus was experiencing that day in the temple. And while believers do grow to look more and more like Jesus as they mature in their faith, or at least we hope that we are, right? I would be willing to bet my life that over 99.999999% of the time, when you get angry and when I get angry, it isn't righteous anger. It's anger because we're offended for ourselves on behalf of ourselves and not because we're offended on behalf of God. So with that in mind, let's look at a few verses in the Bible that teach us a little something about where anger comes from and what kind of fruit it produces in our lives if we let it go unchecked. And I want to just say, this is really just the tip of the iceberg, friends. I am only trying to give us an overview of what anger is so that we can have a better understanding of what's happening in our own hearts and what might be happening in our children's hearts, what might be happening in the hearts of those that we love. I highly recommend that if this is an issue in your family or in yourself, that you take these verses and use them as a starting point and do a more in-depth study on your own. So let's talk about several verses. First of all, Luke 6.45 says, A good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. My graduate school roommate, Heather, used to quote this passage all the time. And even though I was in my 20s when we lived together and I had been in church my whole life, it was the first time I had ever really heard, like truly heard what this verse meant. And so I am so glad that I did because it has really shaped my understanding of the human heart, probably 
more than any other verse that I've ever encountered because it indicates that what's in the heart is what comes out. So imagine with me for a second that you're at a party and you've been handed a cup of punch by the host. And it's a crowded party. And as you're walking through the sea of people, someone accidentally knocks your arm, causing you to spill your punch on the floor. So here's my question for you. Why is there punch puddled on the ground at your feet? Now, some people would be quick to say there's punch on the ground because someone knocked into you and made you spill your punch, right? It's logical, but it's not actually true. The reason there's punch on the ground is because there was punch in your cup. Had your cup been empty, the floor would be dry. You'd have still gotten knocked around, but the floor would be dry. See what I mean? Years ago, I gave the illustration of a little girl, maybe around two years old, imagine her maybe with pigtails on either side of her head, sitting at the kitchen table, eating a jelly donut. Now, I have never known a two-year-old who could eat a jelly donut without squeezing most of the content into her lap. We're like that. Life squeezes us all. If it hasn't squeezed you yet, it's coming. Believe me, friend, it is coming. And when life squeezes us, whatever is in our hearts comes out. If it's good, good comes out. If it's evil, evil comes out. Most people think that what comes out of their mouths or through their actions when they're being pressed isn't really them. It's not the true them. In fact, I've had people apologize to me for their actions when they were heated, who actually said, that wasn't like me. But actually, I think who we are in the press is probably the truest form of who we really are. And anger in our hearts is no exception. If we are angry, frustrated, or holding on to unforgiveness, bitterness, or destructive thoughts, it will come out sooner or later. The thing to do here is to keep short accounts. Ask God to help you recognize when those things are alive and well in your heart, and as He does, confess them and ask Him to heal you. It may not happen overnight. In fact, I would bet that it won't, but it'll be a much healthier response than to just let them sit there and fester, affecting you in ways that don't bring glory to God. Today's show is brought to you by our newest prayer guide, Praying God's Word for Your Angry Child. Anger is such an issue in the world today, isn't it? And I'm afraid our children are struggling because we struggle. Keyboard warriors, righteous typers, out-of-control mouths and emotions, losing it on game officials and fights with other parents over youth competitions— The world we live in can be very ugly, friends, and social media has emboldened us to say and do things most of us would never have done before it came. I'm afraid we're not doing a good job of demonstrating restraint, peace, reconciliation, and just simply how to do hard things together for our children, and it's taking a toll on them. I think most of us know these displays of anger are not helpful or holy, not in us, and not in our children who don't yet have the ability to process or the maturity to temper themselves the way we do. Parenting can be a challenging experience, and when you have an angry child, it can be downright difficult. Children who struggle with anger can be easily triggered, and their outbursts can be distressing for both the child and the parent. However, there are ways to help your child manage their anger, and one of the most potent tools is prayer. Praying for your angry child is essential because it's a way to invite God into your child's life. As parents, we want the best for our children. We can read books, attend therapy sessions, and try different techniques. 
Ultimately, we are still trying to determine what we can do. However, when we pray for our children, we ask God to intervene. We acknowledge that we can't fix everything independently and surrender our children to God's care. Praying for your angry child doesn't have to be complicated or time-consuming. It just has to be done. In praying God's word for your angry child, you'll pray for God to work in your children's hearts to know where the source of their anger comes from. Stop relying on their own understanding. Be angry without sinning. Let go of bitterness. Be slow to anger. Hold anger in check and gain compassion, understanding, and the ability to forgive for your own heart. With biblical teaching on anger, scripture-inspired prayers, and space to journal using our Think, Pray, Praise method of daily prayer, this digital prayer guide is perfect for the busy mom who needs God to move in the hearts of her kids. Download your copy of Praying God's Word for Your Angry Child now when you visit today's show notes at millionpraymoms.com. Another passage is James 1, 19 through 20. Um, These are verses that are actually inside of our Praying God's Word for Your Angry Child prayer guide for this month. And they say, My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. This verse became very real to me when my children were very young. In fact, I'm pretty sure I had this written on a sticky note that was stuck to a wall in our kitchen, a highly trafficked area, to serve as a reminder to me that getting angry at my children wasn't going to make them look and act more like Jesus. It wasn't going to help anything. It wasn't going to change their hearts. In fact, the only thing that could change their hearts was God himself. In Ezekiel 36, 26, another note that I had written on sticky notes hanging all around my house, we find that God is the one who changes hearts of stone to hearts of flesh. And when I realized this, it changed the way I related to my children. My job became less about trying to control everything and more about praying for God to move in the hearts of my children. In fact, this passage really helped me qualify exactly what my job was as a mom versus what I had no choice but to leave up to God. Trying to do God's job for my children, like being their Holy Spirit, it just never works. And I'm not saying I do it perfectly. I do not. And I know that my children would be very happy to tell you that I still like to be in control. But the awareness of this truth, it changed my heart and it started the process of allowing God space to grow and mature me in this area. James 4, 1 through 3 is another passage from our prayer guide this month, and it says, What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. I really love it when the Bible is crystal clear, don't you? All month long, we've been asking the question, where does this come from? The anger and bitterness that can cause such devastation and wreck relationships and families. Where does it start? We know now that anger has both a biological element and a spiritual element, but this passage makes things even more clear. What is the source? Well, let me read these verses from the message version of the Bible to be even more clear. Where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. They come about because you want your own way and fight for it deep inside yourselves. You lust for what you don't have and are willing to kill to get it. 
You want what isn't yours and will risk violence to get your hands on it. You wouldn't think of just asking God for it, would you? And why not? Because you know you'd be asking for what you have no right to. Your spoiled children, each wanting your own way. And let me read it from the voice version. Where do you think you're fighting an endless conflict come from? Don't you think that they originate in the constant pursuit of gratification that rages inside each of you like an uncontrolled militia? You crave something that you do not possess, so you murder to get it. You desire the things you cannot earn, so you sue others and fight for what you want. You do not have because you have chosen not to ask, and when you do ask, you still do not get what you want because your motives are all wrong, because you continually focus on self-indulgence. Point made, right? And it relates back beautifully to, to Luke 6.45. It's about what's in the heart. Left unchecked, our hearts will destroy our lives bit by bit. If we don't address anger, it'll turn into bitterness, and bitterness can affect us even on a physical level. Submitted to the cross of Christ, though, God can change our hearts to look like His. Consider Ephesians 4.31. It says, Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you, along with all malice. It strikes me, friends, and convicts me, if I'm honest, that this verse doesn't say if it pleases you or if you feel like it. It isn't asking for our opinion on the matter. It just says do it. Dr. Tony Evans says about this verse, in order to build authentic community, you have to build people up rather than tearing them down. What comes out of your mouth is part of your new wardrobe, meaning what we're given when we come to Christ. And it doesn't include foul language, bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting, and slander. We must deal with real-life issues, but our goal must always be to help and not hurt. Our words must minister grace to those who hear. The Spirit's joy, presence, and power will not be yours if you make Him sad when you open your mouth. Gosh, that's powerful. And doesn't that sum up this episode just beautifully? Sure, anger is bad for the angry person. It it can hurt them both here in the present and long-term in emotional and spiritual and physical ways. And I don't want that for you. I don't want it for me. And I don't want it for our children. I don't want it for a legacy that we leave to our families from a generational standpoint. I don't want it. I want it to stop for you and for me. But more than just hurting the individual, anger hurts the body of Christ. It hurts the family, both our immediate family and the family of God. God wants to use our words to build his kingdom, and we'll never do that effectively if we're controlled by anger. Let's all do the work of rooting it out of our hearts. I hope today's episode has given you a kind of bird's eye view of what the Bible has to say about anger. It's important to have that understanding, whether you're dealing with anger in yourself or in somebody you love. But I also know that knowing these things and doing something about them are two different things. The key is to start somewhere. If you need help, ask for help. There's going to be referrals in the show notes today. But before you ask for help for someone else, I recommend asking help from God. Whether you're praying for yourself or someone you love, bow your head right now and confess whatever anger you've been a part of. Just lay it down at Jesus' feet. Be honest about it. Don't hold anything back. And then once that's done, tell him you need his help to clean up hearts. I highly recommend grabbing a copy of this month's prayer guide that complements the theme of our podcast, Praying God's Word for Your Angry Child. 
This prayer guide is directed toward praying for your children, but God's Word is for everyone. You can pray it for yourself as easily as you can pray it for someone else. And you can find it, along with links to everything we mentioned today, in the show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. Till next time, friends, the Lord bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. Do you wish you could have a short, sweet, simple something to pray for your kids this summer that sincerely asks God to move in their hearts, is easy to use, and maybe even encourages your heart too? Sign up for a summer of prayer with Million Praying Moms. Each morning this summer, you'll receive a simple, scripture-inspired prayer for your child in your email inbox, just one a day. We'll work our way through the book of Romans, asking God to do things like turn their hearts toward Him, follow Him, trust Him, put their faith in Him, stand up for Him, and be obedient to Him. Get signed up right now in today's show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. Hi, I'm Rebecca Scott. As a servant of God, wife, and mother of four, I understand the juggle of multiple roles and stages. That's why I created the Encourager podcast to help guide us through the messy middle stage of life. Join me on the Encourager as we challenge the chaos and embrace harmony. Together, we'll create practical systems to balance your roles and fulfill priorities. And we will do it while having joy and energy for both home and work life. Tune in for inspiring stories and interviews, actionable tips, and methods to do both home and work life. Because here, we believe you can do all things, just not all at once. 